You're about to listen to the amazing Trek Off podcast, but did you know there's also an amazing Trek Off movie in production right now? Watch the trailer at trekoffmovie.com. That's trekoffmovie.com. Also, if you want to hear over 100 hours of Trek Off, you can find that at trekoffpodcast.com or search Trek Off in your iTunes or your pod feed or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. Search for Trek Off. Finally, you can find lots more podcasts at Geeks Radio, the home of Trek Off podcast. Who Garrett and RJ go to Hollywood Ninjas versus you all at geeksradio.com. Now enjoy Trek Off. Warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language. That means explicit content. And the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad. It's just a show. It's time for Trek Off Enterprise Double D. Welcome to Trek Off. My name is Justin. And yeah, my name is Alexia. And today we uh, have some guests. Um, it's going to uh, be raucous up in this joint. Uh, we've had a lot of guests lately, um, and I'm always excited about all of them, but these guys uh, in particular, and I will tell you why. Um, uh, as many of you know, I, I moved from one place to another uh, last year. Um, and I had already been listening to these guys, but during the time that I was moving, I binge listened to this podcast so that honestly, these guys for probably five, six hours a day for a couple of weeks um, have lived in my brain part. My so, and your uh, penis. Um, and my penis, yes. Um, and uh, so I, we, a, a while back, even I think, even I think before we started the movie, I got in touch with these guys, and it turns out some <laughs> of these guys actually listened to us too. And it was so weird because I remember when I first met um, Matt from these guys. I was like, I was like, it's so weird hearing you because I totally listen to you. He's like, it's so weird hearing you because I totally listen to you. Um, it's uh, very rarely do we find people who are so like-minded. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, the stars of the Delta Quadrant podcast, Gino, Bands, and Ben, and we promise that we will have Melissa on really, really soon. So, hey guys! Hi! Hi! I feel like we should have like intro music going right now. Bow chicka bow wow. Um, how? I can sing the Enterprise theme if you wanted me to. Please don't. So this is our own private crossover. We're doing that every time. Every time, Justin talks. So. For those of you who don't know, Justin and Alexia were just on an episode of the Delta Quadrant that we record right prior to this, and Justin's like, hey, we should just do another episode right now, because we had a conversation going in between. Yeah, because of course we're like done recording, and what happens? Then we just like keep talking about Star Trek, because that's the <laughs> fucking people that we are. And we're like, wait a minute, we should like record this shit or whatever. Well, let's make a commitment to each other right now. Um, let us know when you're releasing that episode, and we will release this episode at the same time. So right now, you listeners who are listening, you can finish this one and go right over and hear the episode we just recorded before. Yeah, and you tell that, them on that episode, they can do the same. A big crossover that, event. That November, episode November 13th. 13th. November 13th, that episode will be out. This is okay. like the Avengers. It's a crossover event. I like that what you did. Like No one else could see this but the people on the call. Like He mm -hmm. did with his fingers. He did a big badge. The fact that you compare this to the Avengers makes me very happy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of the Avengers, having nothing to do with it, how did the Delta Quadrant come about? Matt? Uh, 
<laughs> I guess I have to answer as the long run, longest serving cast member. Yeah, you're yeah, the longest. Believe that and Kano Jones. I asked you not to talk about that night, Gino. Sorry. <laughs> How can, can I not brag about it? Look at you. <laughs> right? Anyway, so this <laughs> podcast started back in 2011 when I wasn't on the show yet. It was two guys, uh, Josh and Benji, started the show because there wasn't a Voyager review podcast as there was for many other Star Trek series. And I came in on episode three. And um, I, it was my first podcast ever, and I really enjoyed doing it. Uh, stayed throughout the course of the show. And then by the time season three rolled around, uh, the, all of the former co-hosts kind of left at once. And in the in the course of season three, we brought on uh, Ben and Melissa and Gino, and it's been the four of us ever since. Actually, the way I got into the show was uh, we were all listening to a show called Technologic, and we're all part of the forum there. Yeah. I wiggled my way into being a guest on one episode, and I just never left. Uh. <laughs> That's true, actually. Gino yeah. never left. Try to deny that. <laughs> That was a long time ago. I forgot that you just hoodwinked your way onto this podcast. <laughs> it was just Back like, wait, what the fuck? All of a sudden, you're just like, oh, the show? Whereas I recorded a couple of episodes with Ben, and then I made the unfortunate mistake of offering him a permanent position. Yeah, how I know, I, fuck up, man. Jeez. I even sent Matt a resume when when they when they called for uh, they needed you know more help to finish the show off. He called. I, I sent him a resume and everything. I earned my spot on this show. And Gino, he just comes in like a scallywag and deals with it that way. Ben, how did you? <laughs> how did you? How did you hear about it, Ben? How did you? How, like, how did you know to send a resume in and stuff? And what was your background before that? I, oh, background before that. Interesting. Uh, that that always goes all the way back to the TOS episode arena. But that's that's another story for another day. But. Um, Delta Quadrant, you got to come to that, I think, naturally, just because you're a fan of Voyager. I don't really know else why else why you would uh, search for a podcast about Star Trek Voyager, but if you do, then that means you're a fan. So, you know, I, that's how I started off as a uh, listening to it, just finding them through the different you know Star Trek podcasts. But in the end, uh, this uh, the show has got something special. Uh, it has nothing to do with us hosts. It, it, I think it has all to do with the, the content it covers. So when they said they were they were the ship was sinking, I had to I had to join up and make sure that the, so, they stayed afloat. In other words, Ben was a listener when we were in season one and two. So cool. Yeah, that's a long and short of it. I'm a big podcast listener. I listen to all the podcasts. And then you bailed for a little while, and then you're like, okay, fuck it, I'm back. I didn't bail. The bailing is different. See, I was still behind the scenes the entire time. I was still editing. You know, they were they would whisper sweet nothings to me on the show behind your uh, your ears when you weren't listening. They would, they would say all sorts of nice things to me. I would monologue for 10, 15 minutes at a time and tell Ben how much I missed the scent of his manliness. That's right. And, no, then ben, and then Ben started growing the goatee, and it's been a, like just a love fest between you two. Oh, that. yeah, no, I noticed when Ben came uh, on, it was like, oh, look at your face. What the listeners can't see is that when Ben is gesturing, he's gesturing with a big pointed, sharp knife. There's a big knife going back and forth. And I'm like, I'll do whatever you say, sir. <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. i got to play with my toys. <laughs> Please don't rob me through the internet. Oh, man. So I so we were talking about it before. Um, Voyager is uh, neither of our favorite uh, Star Treks. Um, <laughs> uh, what? 
That's, a, that's an understatement for one of you. We will we we will we will argue about which is the best Star Trek DS9 or the original series, and then the other argument that we will have uh, is outside, the worst. <laughs> outside of whether or not Star Trek 2009 destroyed the canon, um, the the, the other did, argument which it didn't. I don't know which why it did it. It totally happened. didn't. Stop it. Suck my ass. Um, so I would like to submit suck my dick. Okay, continue. Oh, oh. The thing is, I do both of those things on a regular basis. Oh, my God! Oh, oh you win. You win the internets. <laughs> Internet you winning win the Google today. Hangout. If I could Google Gold, I would. That's a Reddit joke. <laughs> um, but, like, like, we will... Like, I will... I will give Voyager the praise of defending it to Alexia because I don't think it's the worst one, and she will give Enterprise the praise of defending it to me because she doesn't think it's the worst one. It's but not neither, totally Voyager. But yeah, that's that's the thing. We both think that Voyager is in the bottom too. See, so why why Voyager? Like like see but, but see but but Alexia has never had to go up against Ben. Oh jeez. That's true. Well, that, I mean, I mean, do it. So let's let's say that let's say that I was on Alexia's side in this side in this case, and I'm also jumping in saying Voyager is the worst. Sell me on it. I mean, sell me on why I'm wrong, because I'd love to hear it. Ben, it's Everybody all loves an underdog. That's true. Everybody does love an underdog. Actually, you know, I think in order to really have an appreciation for Voyager, you, you might have to be able to do what Star Trek does, and that's time travel. The thing about the show is it's really age specific. I, I think that I mean. For example, Matt is probably the perfect age viewer for Voyager as it first aired, you know, being a younger, uh, you know, preteen guy or, or boy or girl or any of that. If you hit Voyager at that point in your life, I don't think that there is a better sh TV show for you to get into. Um, I think it's very difficult as we go back and look on it uh, for us to be – to have that perspective. I mean, we're all adults now for the most part. And so, you know, we come in with – well, for the most part. But we all come in with a certain amount of knowledge about, especially Star Trek, um, and we have a certain amount of knowledge and preconceptions about what this show is and about what, uh, you know, for Alexia's point of view, what women were in the 90s and this, that, and the other. And it, it's going to garner a lot of hate because I think the show in the end took a lot of risks, uh, especially in concepts. Now, I don't think all those risks panned out. And I think that they really got bit in the butt for it. But I think by the time, if you make it to season four and you get – the basically the Voyager cast part two. Uh, I don't think I don't think that you can have a better Star Trek from four to from seasons four to seven of that than than Star Trek Voyager. It can pretty much say, has. Can you just say that again? I just want to make sure that I can quote you. So can you just come right back and say what you just said about there is not a better Star Trek than seasons four to seven of Voyager? Yeah, because my well, brain's gonna explode. I think. Well, no, but you gotta understand, see, Alex, see, you're a huge fan of the original series. I am. Fan of, of women and women power and all those yeah. things that go along with it. You know, what better role model for women than Captain Janeway, Seven Nine, and really even Delana Torres? These are great, strong women. Voyager has the no, best women not, across though. the board. And on top of that, this is TOS through and through. You can't. Janeway isn't Captain Kirk. I don't know what she is. She's certainly not Picard. She's not Cisco. She's not, thank God, Archer. She's like she's, a bitchy woman. Like that's what she, they do with all these women. They make them like these archetypes. Like this is well, this is what we know what to do with women. Like we're gonna make her a strong woman, and we're gonna make this one the angry woman, and this will be the pregnant woman. Like and this will be the sexy woman. Seven of nine. Like it's just all of the things that women aren't 
right? Because, like, we're just as complex as men. We're just as fucking interesting and flawed or awesome or what have you. Like, there's no character. Like, one of the characters that I think of as a really well-written female character is Bones. And, like, there's no Bones on, on Voyager. Not oh, one yeah. female character is Star Trek for a second here. I was like, uh, McCoy was a guy. Just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm talking about Bones with, you know, Bones and Booth. Bones. That, like, that show has a lot of really good female characters. Like, that's how you write good female characters. Like, and they just weren't doing it on Voyager. And I was so ready for it that that's why I have such a hate on for it. Because well, I was just waiting for it to be awesome, and instead it was like, nope, we don't really know how to do that, because we're still like sort of stuck on women not being like as good as men, so we're just going to kind of half-ass it and use a bunch of stereotypes and, and call that a done day. I'd be like, oh, it's for women, so it's going to kind of be like a soap opera in space, because that's what bitches like, right? So that's why I'm so angry at it. Well, soap operas in space, Voyager is not. I, I don't think that's the case. Oh but my I also god, think that, it totally is, dude. There was that, that one time when it was like, "Whose baby is it? Kess is pregnant, and whose baby?" Like literally. Well, that's a good no example. Bullshit. That's a good example. Of the next thing I was going to say, which is, if you're going to have the complaints of stereotypical uh, gender roles, then they're just as guilty for doing that to men. I mean, it's, can I have a brooding male, please? Okay, thank you, Chicote. You know, can I have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, and I and I would I would give you that. Although although we're not we're not really praising Voyager when we say Chicote's role is to be a spirit guide and talk about his people. I mean that's, that's, like, that's true, like, but these things are hidden to to people when they're younger. You know, I mean, we have more innocence at those ages, and Star Trek is really a show of innocence and hope and utopia and what things could be. I don't think Voyager fails to do any of those things well. As as a matter of fact, I think it does it better than than often. It often it's it, it's not done the best, but when it's done great, when it's done correctly, just correctly, it's some of the best out there. You really, when you go through and you really get rid of your understanding of what Voyager was to you before, and you start looking at it for what it is currently, it, I think it, even if you watch it with ch with your with kids, you know, as you grow up and you have children of your own, and you get to go back and watch it with them, I think that that show's gonna really have a, a how do I say it? There's an episode called it. Muse in season six. Episode 22, season six, Muse. You go and watch that episode, and that'll blow you away. You'll go, this is Voyager? This is what this show does? This is the show I hate? No, no, this is an excellent TV show, an excellent show, Star Trek. It just takes a little while to get the wheels spinning. See, and I think I, it takes a long while to get those wheels spinning. They had three whole seasons. They had a, they made mistakes with characters. You know, they really did. And I and I'll grant you, there are some episodes that that do that are well done. Because it's even Star with female Trek. characters, it's still, yeah. It's still Star Trek, and and when it does itself well, it's a good Star Trek. I mean, there are tons. Someone to watch over me. Love that episode. Someone Hated that episode. Someone to watch. It's 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 one of the best episodes oh, of the series. It's, it's actually my favorite episode of the series. But what I will say though, to to Ben's point is, again, I'm going to play the age card here. 1995 is when this show started. That would have made me six. Yeah. Uh, and and it, by the time it was over, it was. I remember the, exactly where it was when it was over. It was the last day of school of sixth grade, so that it would have put me at twelve. So what you're um, saying is that this is a show that's great for ages six to twelve. No, not necessarily. But I, what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say is that when, as a young kid I who's getting for into now, Star Trek, somebody who was that age then, because you can look at it differently now than you were when you were six and twelve years well, old, right? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I was watching like the original series when I was like six and ten, 
and it was good. Like, that's what I'm like. I feel like I learned more and expanded my universe yeah, but, in such a better way than I think Voyager ever did. But, but see, but, but see that, that's the thing, though, Alexia, is I, I was watching at, at five years old is when I got my first Star Trek when I saw Generations in the theater. And then I started watching Next Gen, and then Voyager was the one that was on before my bedtime because the way DS9 was with syndication was on way past my bedtime, and I, well, I wasn't old enough to get the, the running storyline yet. So I was watching Voyager, and to Ben's point, and to your point, it was just like TOS to me. It was it was expanding my universe. It was doing all those things for me as a child who grew up in the 90s. Uh, it, it opened a whole other realm of possibility for me, and it, it really got me, you know, if, if Next Gen helped me get into Star Trek, Voyager cemented my place in, in Star Trek fandom. So it really did a lot for me growing up then. Well, here's the, what I'll definitely those say. weirdos were listening to ska music and wearing Jinkos. This guy was really... Son of a bitch. I guess turn about it. Only time I'm going to do it. Only time. Okay. I, would, I would say what I, would, what I will absolutely grant everyone right now is that Voyager is better than probably any... The other bullshit like preteen crap on TV would have been at the time, right? So like if my choices are like regular TV, like what they have on like now, like Pretty Little Liars and like all this other dumb shit, like Vampire Diaries, like if we're putting it up against that, it's absolutely better. Like we got it. Buffy came out almost exactly two years after. Just many times on the show, we've even said even the worst episode of Star Trek is still better than most television. Agree, definitely true. Yeah, but that doesn't feel like a very good compliment to me. It really feels like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I mean, I'll take it as a start, but that's not where we're going to end up. Uh, all, all I mean, I'm there's a is, lot of really shitty TV out there. That's for sure. There really is. All I mean, I'm saying is I think, I think... Big Bang Theory, probably one of the worst shows in my opinion. Oh, yeah, I hate that show. But anyway, what I will say is that I think it depends on the time you grew up and what... You know, if you're a Star Trek fan, what Trek you were exposed to at the time. Alexia, obviously that was TOS for you. For me, it was TNG and, and Voyager. So, you know, you're going to grow up, you're going to end up liking subconsciously the thing you grew up with. I think that's probably true because whatever, I, th I think that there's definitely some element of that because whatever, when you are a Trek lover in your heart, like whatever starts you on that path just has a special place because it's the one that does like even though I hate on like, Voyager it does expand your mind in a way that other shows just don't I mean it's like the I mean? first time it's like the first time you fall in love and have a relationship it's like you're always going to even if it ends badly it was always the first you know I will I will grant you that I will grant you that and I think that that for me I mean I think I'm probably the oldest one of the group um I, I think I, you're oh, older than me by like a year maybe Okay but but I'm probably the oldest of the group. And I will say that, that I, like you, watched the original series before Next Gen came out. I watched Next Gen. I quit on DS9 after season one. Yeah, um, me too. And then, and then Voyager came out my first year of college. Um, and that's when I kind of quit on all of Star Trek for a little while because I was doing college and other things were happening. Um, I think that the, uh, the thing for me, and maybe it was because I was so into Next Gen... Um, I returned to Voyager before I got back into DS9. Voyager is what I was watching um, before I even got back into DS9. The thing for me is that, that, and we talked about this in our New York show, that I had that chronology of the future. 
you know, and I had the Star Trek encyclopedia, and this is why I get so mad at Star Trek 2009 as well, is I loved the universe it's of it. It's still there, it's but like, thank well, you, wait, wait, hear, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. No, because I, you're wrong. Gino, sing it. I, the, <laughs> I, loved the, I loved the political intrigue. I loved the universe. I loved everything that was happening in Voyager as a facet of what it, where it was was completely away from that. And I, when, when I would be watching Next Gen and Gowron would show up, or like one of those things that felt like you were dealing with big, that's why I love Star Trek VI so much, because I feel like you're dealing with big, like, like political, giant, the, it feels so big, the, the, the Alpha Quadrant feels so big. Tell me how big it feels. How <laughs> Tell me how, feel. how big was it. Like a 10-inch cock. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I, no, that width or is that length? <laughs> I, I, I do understand what you're saying. Uh, oh my gosh, you just said that. <laughs> well, the, you know, I was listening to you guys talk. It feels like a ten-inch cock, and you're like, I totally understand what you mean. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, Justin, I, I remember listening. You know, you know, Justin, I heard you guys talking about that in the Manhattan podcast that you did about how you were sold on the universe, and in the end, it almost feels like you were sold a bag of uh, goods, you know, because uh, that they in a way tricked you, but. That's that's kind of what I'm talking about when I say ages of Voyager. It's not just an age thing. It's not it's not a oh I'm six to twelve and this is the you know demographic and let's really hammer this. What I, what I really mean is, I I wasn't twelve when I watched it. I was older and I knew more and I was you know when I got the DVDs I was older and I watched it. But in the end I didn't ever nitpick and critique and get all up in arms about it because to me it's just it's just a TV show in the end. And I know it's not real. And so I can Wait, never what? get over that. No, no, but you got to understand, like, there's no suspension of disbelief for me. My belief is I have to – automatically, there is no disbelief. I'm the most critical person in the world. But when I watch a television show, when I read a novel, when I do any of these things for entertainment, I, I turn a switch in my head, which goes, don't think about it until after. And so I'm able to be real entertained by episode, the episodes as they're playing. Uh, and I don't really go, oh, you know – they got those dates wrong. They got you know the amount of years wrong. You know it wasn't a phaser wasn't quite like that. That's not exactly how the technology is. I mean that that stuff never occurred to me. It just just never occurred to me. And so I think when you when I when we talk about the age of watching Voyager, what I'm really talking about in the end is what level of innocence do you have watching this show? If you know a lot about the universe and you come into it with that's what I was talking about preconceptions, you're not going to like Voyager. It's not for you, and it probably never will be for you. But if you can put that out of your head if you can or you can come to it before that stuff gets put into your head and develop a real passion for it then I think it becomes one of the it really does become one of the best tracks and, and, uh, that's what's so interesting to me that you say that because I'm so the same way like this is something that Justin and I get it like because he can't do the suspension of disbelief like I can because I'm like you I'm just like okay cool whatever yeah, I accept it but <laughs> um but I just I could I can't at a certain point in Voyager like there is a a limit, and it pushes it all the time. But, but to but to, to to Ben's point though, we've had listeners come on. I'm thinking of Ben of like Captain Catherine, and I think Sarecki mm -hmm. saw Voyager first. Yeah. Those two women listeners, female guests that we've had on, saw Voyager before any of the other Star Treks, and consequently, it's it's among their favorite of the series. So I think I've noticed something as the show goes on, though. I mean, this is all my first time watch through, you know, on Voyager, and the show has changed a whole lot. I, you know, it's still hard to say when exactly it it turned on its head, but it's a much different show now than than what it was at the start. Definitely. And I I think 
most of the haters on Voyager hate on earlier Voyager. If you if you get into later in the show, yes, continuity is nice, but the show doesn't have too much of it. So if you came in later on the show, it's not a big deal. So I mean, there you go. This this later show, this is a completely new thing that I think a lot of actual Star Trek fans would enjoy. I think especially after uh, Next Generation ended, when you got all these new writers on board, you know, and then we were talking on on our show just a little bit ago that Deep Space Nine had ended. So this is the only Star Trek on TV at the time. So they really had to step up their game because otherwise you're going to lose all these fans that at one time had three Star Trek series going at the same time. Well, I think, I, I mean, that's, I get what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I think hearing you guys talk galvanized for me what it is and what it isn't. It's not a matter of continuity for me. What it is for me is that you have, um, uh, on DS9, for instance, um, you have not just the ARC shows, but the political shows and the shows that, that bring in the Star Trek universe at large. And then the shows that aren't that, I would call filler shows where stuff right. happens on the station or they meet an alien or something. Now some of those filler shows are really really good like the, when they end up on, you know, on the planet with like their descendants or 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 on Next Gen Inner Light is totally a filler show and yet it's really really good. I feel like those the, those filler shows as you call like I feel like those are personal journey shows and I like those ones as well. So I, I like them as well but they are not it's why like I said like I like Star Trek 6 so much because it feels it's not just the the, the enterprise but it's the whole it's the right. whole big like I want to say geopolitical but it's not geopolitical whatever the galaxy version of that would be. Um I uh, for me political. Nice, nice. Oh, it's uh, called the Imperial Senate. Uh, <laughs> so the this problem for me had nothing to do with galactic trade law. <laughs> <laughs> so the 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 problem for me becomes that that Voyager is ninety percent that because it's not going to relate back to the Star Trek universe that I like so much. So when the so when they the when the Klingons even show up. I'm into it. When they get on a Romulan ship, I'm into it. When the Borg show up, even though I do think that they neuter the Borg somewhat, I'm into it because, okay, we're back into the world that I love so much. But for most of the show, just as a matter of physical distance from the Alpha Quadrant, I feel like it's doing the episodes that when I do rewatches that sometimes I skip over in other shows is most a Voyager. And, and again, maybe that that's a kind of a disservice of being like a fan of TNG and DS9, which I'm both a fan of too, but... Voyager for me, especially when I started reviewing these for the first time, I had to look at them with a critical eye. And you're going to hate this, Alexia, but Voyager is most, besides Enterprise, which you can make the argument for as well, Voyager is the most like TOS of, of all the spinoffs because... I would say it's more like Roddenberry TOS. Uh, in, the, in the sense that uh, you're going away from... The TOS was all about discovering the unknown. And what what happens on the way to discovering the unknown? And we didn't have any of those like expectations that the Klingons and Romulans would show up because they were just they were just barely starting out. So, I think it's what I commend Voyager for is that they they were willing to take that risk and say, okay, we have this established universe here already. We'll let DS9 handle that one. We're gonna go strike out and see what else is in the galaxy. That's very very original series mentality to me. Now, whether or not it pans out for you in the end and whether or not they did a good job of that, that's another debate. 
but I, I, I think it's commendable that they were willing to sever ties to everything that felt safe. The show, did end up, they don't, the show ended up feeling safe in another way in the end, but I think that, that those intentions and that, that original premise are good. It's, I don't think it's the wrong impulse the way that you seem to, and I understand why you do, but... I'm with you. I mean, that doesn't bother me. Like, I don't... I, while I do feel like when you watch Enterprise, what's nice is you have the flavor, I feel like, of TOS in that there's everything's new. This is the first time, even though you wind up meeting some races that we've seen before, like, they have a way of putting a new sheen on it so it feels new and, and not, like, you know, what we expect in in a lot of ways. And I feel like the problem with Voyager for me isn't that their premise, like, I would was down for them being away from everything that they know. Like, that's a great idea. Like, I want to see what the fuck else is out there. Like, I don't know fucking shit about the, the, the Delta Quadrant. This will be great! And I just feel like they, they just took a huge dump over it. Like, they didn't pan out. Like, until I will grant, in the later seasons, it definitely becomes a lot more watchable. Yeah, it's a better I, show later. I think we'll all agree that it's like, a better sure. in the later season. And, and although we referred to, kind of disparagingly, Seven as the sexy one, she's actually... She is the a, most interesting character. She's a complex character performed incredibly well. They got a good-looking woman, but they got a good-looking woman who can act the fuck out of Agreed. Her. I so, definitely yeah. like... I like her. I like a lot of the stuff they do with her. There was one episode that they did, like, this very... F fucking women's issue, like, but it's not really like bullshit rape thing. And I was like, really? That's an incredible really? episode. That's an incredible no. episode of Voyager. Yes, it is. Nah. I want to say something else about too. her. That episode is about accusing the guy. It is all about, yeah. It's not about his whole life, whether or not he was guilty of it. It was a great episode. I want to say something though. I don't think that the theme has changed in your likes and dislikes, Justin and Alexia. I think you're saying the same thing. Justin, you're saying you want the universe expanded. You want you like Deep Space Nine because that's what it does. It has this geopolitical, galactical, political thing going on that you're really interested in. Same with Star Trek Six, but I think Voyager is going to in the end be a lot more like Star Star Trek Four, um, and I think it's a very inappropriate thing to go to. See, Voyager is a micro-focused show. It, it really is focused on interpersonal relationships two at a time very much the way a family interacts with each other. And I think that's the theme that they went for. Now, they don't get it perfect across the board because not all the family members are there or present. Daddy sucks. He's useless. Um, so it, that's always a failing. But there is... When Voyager became more of a macro show was in the end of the seasons. We've seen a lot more ties back to the Alpha Quadrant. So I think that's why you guys pick up and start liking it more. In the end, I don't. I think that you just you would like your universes expanded. You'd like to know more about what's going on here and there and this, that, and the other. And in in the end, for me, I I don't really need that expanded backstory of the universe to make it. You know, like I just said, it's never going to be real to me. And so don't try. I actually get mad when people try. Um, I just want to know what. Tell me a story about a person or a couple people going through some crisis, and tell me how they come to a decision and conclusion. How that and what the implications are for the rest of their life. You don't got to show me the results of it, but if you think about the inner light, that's exactly what they do. And I think a lot of Voyager does end up being, while not executing on the level of the inner light, I think it ends up being a lot like many of those episodes. I think that's the problem I ultimately have with it, though, dude, is because I the part I like about Star Trek is the personal relationships. Like, that's my favorite part about TOS, is, like, those three together are fucking magical. And, like... They're just the characters aren't there in Voyager. Like that's my problem. Like in the end, 
the only characters who can stack, who like stack up, are Seven of Nine and the Doctor. I would like, say. Oh God, I can't stand it when people compliment the Doctor. He's the worst character on he's Voyager. He's so great. He's the worst. He's a hammy actor. I can't stand it half the time, and he's just a little boy who doesn't no, know where he's doctor, going in life. The Doctor is Voyager's answer to Data, and DS9's answer. Yep. Odo. He's the uh, non-human yeah. trying to be human. Yes, he's the non-human yeah, who's, who's striving so, And done so much better with Seven of Nine. Really, really yes, done so much better. Sadly done better with DS9, but I, I do... Not, no, not DS9. Seven, Seven of Nine. Seven of nine. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Never, that's, Voyager... That's I feel Voyager. like Seven of Nine is more like the non-human character yeah, who's resisting humanity, which is very different. And but She's the outsider looking in. Sure. And she's learning to be human. And all those things... Yes, uh, and I think they do a great job with that. Alex, yeah. to your point about there only being two really good characters on the show, anytime they gave our other characters solo pieces, most of the time they did well. Now, granted, there were some definite failings, but you know when we had Bolana <laughs> on her own in some of her episodes, she's great. I mean, not just Bolana Torres, the character. Like, Roxanne Dawson could really hold her own, not just as an actress, too. I mean, she helped write a lot of the episodes, and it really shows. Uh, and I'm going to say it. Harry Kim had some good solo episodes. When they gave him the reins, he took it. I mean, when the ship is trapped under the ice in the future, it's that's a, all that's, him. that's my favorite one with him, yes. I even like the episode where he is in the alternate universe and he's, I like the like alternate he's stuck universe. at home. Like, he's at home and he wants to get back to the ship. Was I, that the like, one with the eyebrows? Yeah, yes. eyebrows <laughs> Um... But I think that he like I think that he does well when he's given a chance to get like I I don't want to put that I don't want to put it on the actors and I think oh that, it's definitely I'm not putting it on the actors I want to be clear about that with the exception that. of maybe Robert Beltran no um, I'm not even putting it on him um and and I will tell you where you're getting me here is that you were starting to make me think that maybe as I galvanize my problems with Voyager you're getting me to maybe think that it is not bad Trek but rather bad Trek for me um. And so you're 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 getting me to look at it like realizing that I don't like filler episodes even on DS9 my favorite show and then realizing that I would consider the stuff that Voyager does most of the time to be like those filler episodes I'm starting to realize where my problems lie and that's probably why I don't like probably why I have a problem getting into the original series it's not just the sets and stuff but again that that why I like the movies better than the original series is that it, I I get that sense of galactic political stuff that I really like. Fortunately for you, TV right now is being built towards your type of audience in that case because the Netflixes of the world are letting us binge watch shows so we can watch episode after episode after episode. So if they don't all tie together and tell me one big story, you know, I'm I'm not going to be so interested. I can get up and go do different stuff as opposed to, you know, Netflix just starting another episode in seven seconds and continuing where the last one left off. I'm not so invested. And the thing is, is that I wish more people were able to do this. I think it's just a, a thing unique to only certain viewers. But with 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 I, I'm like you, Justin. I do like those bigger ramification episodes of Star Trek, and I do prefer DS9 is still my favorite series, and I still prefer the TOS movies over TOS. But I'm able to watch all the different incarnations of Star Trek and like them all only because if I'm gonna watch like a TOS episode. I just put myself in the mindset of TOS. Like I, I you know, it's like I put on my TOS thinking cap. 
<laughs> and I just able, I'm able to roll with the punches. Yes, not everything works for me from my sensibilities, but I try to see what they were trying, what they were attempting to accomplish at the time. Well, the reason and, that TOS it was so difficult for me to watch is because I'm very bad at reading between the lines. So uh, unless an episode hits me over the head with "This is the message this week," I'm not gonna get it. <laughs> it's a little too smart for you. Oh, well, most TV so, is. Boy, just buried some show at Gino. I mean, look, yeah. I, 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 Ben will tell you, I'm, I am critical on Voyager when we when we review the episodes, but I'm able to still get some enjoyment out of it because, again, I put my Voyager cap on. Okay, this is what this show is. Let's see what they were trying to accomplish. Did they do an okay job of it? And let's judge it with that kind of um, look back, that sort of retrospect rather than things I would have wanted it to do. I really do. I feel you. I try to come at it from that place. I really do, Matt. Like, I feel like what what happens for me, though, is that, like, the Voyager hat is just so fucking heavy, man. It's the same way for TOS for me. You know, we're kind of the polar opposites. TOS is kind of my least favorite flavor, but I still ah! like it. I still like it. I still like it, but it's just, it, it you know, I, I grew up after that sort of storytelling was not in vogue anymore. You know, it was it was sure. on to it was on to you know different things. They were doing different things with TNG, and they were doing different things with DS9 and Voyager. And you know, by comparison, TOS kind of feels like an obsolete form of storytelling. That doesn't mean that those episodes are bad. It just means that it's not my my particular favorite. Right. But I'll still and watch we, it and still enjoy it. And we went one one place real quick. Uh, very interestingly enough, about Netflix and the changing. Uh, uh, face of entertainment and the way it's delivered to us, the way we consume it. If I never needed Netflix, I still don't because I have all the I have all the DVDs of every Star Trek there is and a story. And so when I watch Star Trek, it's not on a binge level. It is you put a DVD in. There's four episodes. You pick your favorite one that you want off of the screenshot, and you go and you watch it. And for 47 minutes, I don't do anything else. I sit there and I watch it. And I get invested in the story, and like Matt says, I'm trying to find out what they're saying. Because on, on my fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth watch of an episode of Star Trek, I don't need to look at the screen. I don't need to have subtitles on. I know everything. Seth's so going to this, that, and the other. So if I'm going to continue to be entertained by this, I have to find more. And what's amazing about Voyager is you can think how bad it is. Uh, but when you really investigate each episode, they will put forth an effort. I mean, you say you don't want to put anything on the actors. Well, I, I understand that perspective. I'm not going to put everything on the writers because that's my perspective. And, you know, it's a failing on both sides. When the actors don't invest you in a story, you check out. Since I'm not all into the actors, I like the writing more. I'm not, I don't care what they say. I don't care what they do so much. I want to know what's being, what is trying to be expressed and told and what type of message and, and that they're coming with. So I get very invested. I don't binge watch. I don't need seven seconds next episode because the minute that episode ends, the credits play, the, the music goes all the way through, and then I get up and go do something else. I, I stay very focused each time, and I think that when you do that, you'll find Voyager is, 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 stands up with all Trek. Well, I think if I think if you look from the Netflix perspective, and I think that's that's how I can best tell which which se what series I like the best. No, Is no, that, that's your favorite series. All right, but, very but, clear. Or, or the order of which I like series. I think because oh, okay, the, the, the thing is the, the thing is this is that that when Voyager was on the air, when all these shows were on the air, um, they were all you could watch. So in terms of Trek, so when you got to Monday at you know eight o'clock. 
there wasn't a bunch of Trek to watch. There was one Trek on the air. So you'd watch the one Trek that was on the air. And if, if another show was on after, then you'd watch that. Or if Next Gen was on at 5 every day, you'd watch that. But now I've got all of it always available to me all the time. And so when I get to the end of my DS9 rewatch, I go, okay, I'm going to watch a show. Do I rewatch DS9 again? Do I go through a next-gen rewatch? Do I do... So the thing is, is that I've, like, I never, I never go to Enterprise. Like, I never go, hey, I'm going to do an Enterprise rewatch. I don't do it. Um, what the hell is going on? Ben, ben is having some kind of seizure while I talk. And I, I can't wonder... handle it. Enterprise is your least favorite. It's just incredible. I just... Um, I don't get it either because I would watch like that's like what's interesting to me is anytime I have I'm faced with that like what do I what Trek do I watch next like just Voyager's at the bottom of that list like it just doesn't make it like the only reason I even watched it was because we were like Alexia you have to watch all of it you have to watch the whole thing so we can talk about it I'm like alright fine fuck so like it was it was it was like work for me I mean and I will admit by the end it didn't feel as much like work it felt a little bit more like watching Trek and I was like okay this isn't so bad I just it's not I'm not in love with the characters that they've written for the most part. And that's the problem for me. Like, when I'm in love with the characters, I want to visit them again. Like, I'm not watching it to binge watch the story necessarily. And I do like to binge watch, but it's because I, like, just watch an episode. I'm like, oh, wait, oh, wait, this is that one. This is such a great one. Like, I love the people. And I just don't love the people as much on Voyager. Like, well, that's I, my I, problem. What I, was, what I was saying is that, is, is that, that when I want to watch Star Trek... I've got five series to choose from at any time I want to watch. If I go, I'm in, a, I'm in the mood to watch Star Trek. And maybe it's because I've done DS9 so many times that that's just kind of what I want to turn on. And it's not a matter of me going, I hate Enterprise, I hate Voyager. I, I, I'm not like, like cognitively going, I like this better than the other. I'm just going, what do I want to watch right now? And it's never Enterprise, and it's never the original series, and it's pretty much never Voyager. I will always kind of go for Next Gen or DS9, and it's not out of spite to the others, just like what do I feel like watching right now. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, those two just stand out to me more like Star Trek than any of the others. But, you know, if you mention Star Trek to somebody, they're going to say, oh, Captain Kirk, look. Yeah, like for me, yeah. that's like if that's my go-to, like this is the way I sort of look at it. Like you definitely have like your tiers, and if it's like I'm gonna watch some Star Trek, like what am I gonna watch? Like I will pick something from any of them, right? Except for Voyager, as I've said. Um, but like what's telling to me is if I'm not like if I'm sick or not feeling well or having a really bad day, like Mr. A knows he'll like come in, he'll turn on Netflix, and he'll put on the original series. Like, that's what's going to make me feel yeah, the best. That's, that's comfort food for you, yes. Yes, that's the most comforting. Those are my people. They make me happy in my heart place. Every episode, I'm like, oh, it's this, it's that one, it's that one. <laughs> in the chasm where your heart would be if you had one. Well, the, <laughs> the other thing about, about, a seven so year show, about a seven-year show like DS9 is that, is that it takes, because I, I can't watch one every day. I'm always watching like, like half an episode at a time because I got kids and I'm getting the movies together and blah, blah, blah. So it takes me about a year to get through all seven seasons. So by the time I finish DS9 and I want to go back to watching the first episode of DS9, well, it's been a year since I've seen that. I haven't watched that in a year. So it doesn't even feel like I'm repeating because it's been a whole year since I've, you know, watched that. And so it just feels natural to go back. Oh, so man. I've been... But I've going back... Oh, if you go from seven, season 7 DS9 back to season 1, you're like, what the hell am I watching? Yeah, sometimes. Oh, Oliver Rain, Oliver Rain. You know what, though? I have to say that maybe 
I did a, like kind of a unique experiment, experiment like five or six years ago. I would say it was back in early days of college when I finally had all my Star Trek DVDs and they weren't on Netflix yet. Uh, and I think it really helped me gather appreciation for each show as I went and watched all of Star Trek, all of Star Trek, chronologically in the universe. So I started with Enterprise because it's the earliest in the universe, and I went through all of Enterprise, and then I jumped off of Enterprise and then started the TOS seasons, and I went through all of TOS. And then I went through one through six of the movies. And then after six, I watched Next Gen. And then as Next Gen's ending, I'm starting DS9 and watching Next Gen movies where DS9, where they occur in DS9 because they do make reference to, to some of them at least. And then after DS9, I watched Voyager, even though they're concurrently. It's too hard to watch two series at the same time. So after Agreed. DS9, I'll go back and watch Voyager. And then I'll watch um, Nemesis, because that's the furthest along you got into the, to the Star Trek uh, universe before you know, 2009 take us back to the beginning. And I think by doing that, by watching them all chronologically, I know no one else can do that because no one else, you know, I didn't have a life back in college, so I had time to do stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it really helped me appreciate what, what each show was bringing to the universe as a whole. Just by watching, it was like one long story with different crews coming in for each part. And it was kind of cool. I mean, if people have that kind of time on their hands, try it and Fucking see what do happens. That shit. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I think, it, I think it just gave me a kind of unique perspective into what, what, what each of the shows were, were delivering to the universe as a whole. That's all. Well, I, I think, I, you know, and I... Alexia knows I love to think in metaphor, but I love Mexican food. Um, and I used to be a huge fan of Chipotle. I would go and I would go get Chipotle. I love Taco Bell, and then I found Chipotle, and I love Chipotle. Le recently, I found a wonderful restaurant, if you have one near you, called Cafe Rio. And when I went to Cafe Rio, it was like Chipotle, but ten times better. And I went to Cafe Rio. It happens to be in the same shopping center as a Chipotle on the other side of the same shopping center. I can tell you that since I discovered Cafe Rio, I've not been back to Chipotle. <laughs> and it's not because I don't, because I, I hate Chipotle. I like Chipotle. If Chipotle's all I got, I'll have it. In fact, if there's nothing else around or there's a Taco Bell, I'll go to Taco Bell because I like Mexican food, and Taco Bell will do the, tr do the trick if I want to. Mm -hmm. But now since I have a Cafe Rio right there and it's as accessible as everything else, I always go to Cafe Rio. And it's right. not because I, I hate variety, but it's just like, like, you have your preference. That, yeah. That's your preference, and, and I'm just still the same way with Star Trek. All I'm saying is with the way, the way that I did it, I was able to... Actually, you say that TOS is, is a, lot, a lot of filler for you. Is that correct, Justin? That's kind of what you... you know, I don't, I don't want to call it filler in that it was... It, a lot of times they establish some of the things, but I would say that, that yes, they have... I, filler has a negative connotation. They're bottle episodes. See, See, and the, the interesting thing was, even though there's some continuity errors between the two series, by watching Enterprise first and then jumping over to TOS, those filler episodes kind of felt like they were part of an evolving story. Because it's like, oh, hmm. this is where it started back in Enterprise, and this is how they are now in TOS, and then when you move on to the movies and TNG, it's kind of, everything's kind of evolving and building up. So I don't know if that changed my perspective on things, but it definitely helped me appreciate TOS more. Because I, I was able to put it in the perspective of this is still an evolving universe. Well, I, well, I, think that, I think that this is where Justin and I like just sort of really deviate from each other. Because you have this idea of these filler episodes. And, and where you see them as like not world building or, or you know, ga galaxy you know, spanning situations. Like 
I see them as the evolution of the characters that we're watching. Like, because people are always growing. And as much as you want to fucking say that that's not true on, on any of the original series or any of, you know, even Next Gen, because it doesn't have that continuing storyline like DS9 does, like, I would fucking disagree. Like, the characters do grow. Maybe they don't grow as quickly or as robustly or what have you, but it definitely, they do grow and you see the way that they come into new situations that are, you know, galactic, you know, game-changing type shit. They bring that with them. And I like that. Like, that's, it's all part of the story as far as I'm concerned. Well, and I want to be clear. Like, I go, I like Enterprise the least, but when Enterprise was the only thing on the air and they were canceling Enterprise, I was part of the letter writing campaign. Like, I wanted it to continue. I loved watching Enterprise every week because it was Star Trek. And, and not Star to mention that, that fourth season's really good. Yeah, I no, love the, fourth, fourth the fourth season, season is good. But it's, but, but yeah. I'm not, I, just like Alexi is not as invested in the characters in, in Voyager, I don't feel as invested in the characters in Enterprise, but still... Got Bacula and Trip. But, but when it was on the air and there wasn't any other Star Trek, like any other new Star Trek, I was desperate for it to stay in the air. I wanted it to stay in the air, but now that there is no Star Trek in the air and it's all kind of equal playing field, I've seen all of it, none of it will be new, it's all available at the touch of a button. These are the ones... So I, th I mean, I feel like I'm reiterating the same thing. I don't want to beat that horse. I want to say... I want to say something to, uh, to Alex here real quick. You know... Uh-oh. <laughs> here's the thing, girl. I'm going to go get a piece of candy while you do that. I'll be right back. Yeah, you might need to. But you said you like the characters, and that's what you really get invested in. I understand that. And I think you and I are very similar in the sense that we like you know, the stories being told, the messages that we want to hear uh, help us become better people, and that, this, that, and the other. I think you and I are similar in that vein. We are a little different, though, uh, just genetically. So that's okay. <laughs> you, mean, you have a penis and I've got boobies? That might be something to deal with that. Although, how do you know I don't have boobies? Just saying. Here's the thing, though. How do you know she doesn't have a penis? Uh, I do. Excellent. It's fucking huge. I got the biggest dick out of all y'all. And it's sitting right next to you. No. Um. It still does not uh, negate my point that we're different genetically. And here's the thing. In the end is that – so if you – Justin, you like metaphors. So when I first started listening to Trek Off, I, I just downloaded it because it said Trek. And I said, yes, Trek. <laughs> nice. And it's new and great. And I put on the first episode, and I hear this lovely voice in my ear. Uh, and it's not, hi, my name is Justin. It's, hi, my name is Alexia. Okay, so that that clicks, and I hear that. And I go, oh, interesting. I'll stay. They advertise, they're advertising something I'm interested in. Okay. And, yes, I came and, and, and initially are interested in for the superficial. But what keeps me around is, is, the, is the depth of content in the end and, and how you follow through on that. And I think that's very similar with Voyager. I think when I first start watching it, I go, ooh, Janeway, sexy. Ooh, Torres, not bad. Seven and nine now? Yeah, Kiasu, loving it. <laughs> but as I hang out and I reach the final in the, in the end, I mean, the, the truth is that I, I, I'm really not paying attention to any of that. Even though it hooked me and got me interested, I'm only caring about what happens to these people. And, yeah, maybe it was superficial that got me invested in it. And, yeah, maybe I'm a guy and I like my phaser fights, this, that, and the other. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that they follow through. And they deliver what what Trek always delivers, and that's quality morals, quality entertainment, and, for, and, and honestly, quality characters. You just – it's all preferences. And I, I, I like my girls. I like girls too, man. I love them. And I love no. movies. And, and it, they're and the best girls of all the Star Trek. That's what I'm trying to say. 
I mean, here's the thing. I, here's what I'll grant you. Seven of Nine is is one of the greatest female characters in Star Trek for sure. Like, I I will absolutely agree to that. I yeah. feel like, I guess what for me, coming from... Best, who's better? There's nobody, really. Not not female. I mean, not not really from an actually from like a writing standpoint, I guess, because like there's the problem with some of like the previous iterations of female characters is they're limited by what they were allowed to do at the time. Like I think I find some of the female characters, like Ahura on the original series, to be a bigger deal simply because they they really had a lot to fight against, and they were like, fuck that shit. We're going to do this anyway. And I think that that's what makes me, because I'm a woman, kind of so much more pissed at, at Voyager because you are in a place, like, when, when really, like, do you know how long ago we, like, women got the vote and shit? Like, come on, y'all. Like, aren't we, like, way past this shit? Like, shouldn't we just be equal already? So, like, the fact that even on TV, like, they didn't really push the envelope enough. They didn't go, listen... We're doing TV in the fucking 90s, in the 2000. Like, we can just write women any fucking way we want. They're, they're just the same as men. We don't have to have these archetypes. We don't have to have these quote-unquote women things. Like, and they just didn't, they didn't do that. They didn't break the mold as much as I wanted them to, which, which is why I, I would say that I have like a better place in my heart for some of the older female like, characters from the past. But Seven of Nine is, is well-written for the most part with very few deviations. She's well acted. And like, I don't even care if you want to make her sexy. Like, if that's what you need to sell the show, like, if you need a busty, hot-ass woman, fine. But like, just give her something to do besides being a busty, hot-ass woman. And I and do it, feel like they did and, that. And make sure she can act, which Jerry yeah. can. She I, absolutely can. And Jane Wayne, the end, she broke the glass ceiling. And I think that that's a risk that they took. Uh, it was a great like risk. That. She didn't break any glass ceiling. There was Admiral What's Her Name on Next Gen. They had women. No, hold on, but Mr. A, here's a deal. Here's a deal. I remember my father watching the very first episode of. I remember I'm sitting there on the couch watching it, and the look on his face when she comes on screen, Captain Janeway. <laughs> it was disgust. He was disgusted. He's like, a woman on his captain? Come on. You know, I mean, that's. I would get. I would. I'll give you Janeway that, and I and I'm actually going to agree with Alexia on on some of these points that there are times when it is that women's issue type stuff, but like there are points I, I go back to uh, to Year of Hell when Janeway is piloting the ship and she knows that she can slam her ship into the other ship um, and and reset everything, make everything better, and she's just like go to hell. And she goes, that's not a woman's issue. That's her being badass. And there are times when she is she is Ripley. Yeah, well, there's that episode with the macroviruses, which is not a great episode, but it's one of my favorites just because it's, you know... Again, maybe there is something to the Jerry Taylor comment because I do like my phaser fights every now and then, and that episode is nothing but Janeway with a big-ass gun strapped to her fighting these viruses off of her ship. And she's gonna take him down. And I just, I love that episode. I guess same. I just, I feel like for me, they so underused her. She is amazing. She was a great casting choice. She was a great idea. And they just, I feel like they almost like and nine times out of ten, they didn't deliver on it. And that's like, the that's thing. What upsets me. And that's the thing. I, I, I do make the distinction between sometimes how the character ended up being written and the actress playing her because Ben, you and I were fortunate enough to see Kate Mulgrew and actually have our picture taken with her at the last convention. Oh, you're so lucky. She's awesome. And, 
Ben, you had never seen her speak before at all, and I think one of your impressions was that she, when she walks into a room, she commands your attention. What, what, did, what did you say? What were your reactions to hearing her speak at the convention itself? Yeah, no, she, she commands, she, if you're not interested in her, she absolutely demands your attention, and she forces herself upon you, and it's, it's imposing, but it's also, I, I like that, though. I mean, I, that's the type of women I, I like. Uh, that it not it's not androgyny; it's them being feminine and powerful at the same time, and that's something she does very, very well as a as a person. Kate Mulgrew does. Yeah. Uh, but that's not. I think she shows that in Janeway though constantly. I think I knew this I mean, one before. I've never saw her as an actress. I think she does the best that she can. I just I feel like the writers didn't have her at her back. Like they didn't give her all that she could do. Like because she kind of brought that, and they were like, and now we'll just write this like every other woman we've ever it, written before. It, but here's so, the, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Ben somewhat, and with you, and that the, where I'm gonna disagree with you, Alexia, is with your math, because you go nine you. times out of ten they don't do it. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say five times out of ten, they don't do it. But that okay. means that five times out of ten, they do. I would say half the time, they get it right. I would be very interested if, if somebody here if somebody here right now wanted to like put together for me like the like like a, a a grouping of episodes where she totally where like where the writing has her Ben can do that and she's you. there. Oh, that yeah. would be great. I would be really I I would sit down and I would watch all of them and, and I would see what you you know give it a shot. And that's exactly what I think you'll never get. I don't think you're gonna get that episode. I don't think it exists. I think I make this point all the time on our show um, that Voyager is a very subtle show. Now if you go and look at the definition of subtle. Yeah, I mean, I know the connotation is like, oh, that's a positive thing. Subtle doesn't have to be positive. It can be negative, too. It can be ambiguous. And un yeah, I mean, what's with the silent B? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> so, I love but you. Janeway, yeah. But Janeway, what, what I could put together for you is a, is a, is a set of clips where, that show Janeway being an incredible leader, uh, doing so without using her sexy feminine wiles or any of those things. No, no she's not a damsel. Ever, I mean, that's not her. So when you look at her across the board, I don't think you'll see. I actually, I think Justin, you're not generous enough. I think, yes, she fails one time out of ten out, or, or just at five times out of ten. I go nine times out of ten to get it right. But those nine times, eight of them are just these small little tiny things that really don't matter. Uh, they, they really don't affect the episode greatly. They're just there. They're just part of who she is. And every now and then you'll get something that really matters. But when they, the real problem is when they fail. They fail so bad. You know, my dad, my, my, my da mom and dad would always tell me, Ben, you say one negative thing, you have to, and this is always talking to my sisters, my younger sisters, I say one negative thing to them, I got to come back with 10 positive things just to make it equal, just to, just to make it equal. And they don't have enough time, enough opportunities to make up for the mistakes they are going to have being in the 90s, treading this wall. Oh, no. Oh, no. I think he's just really lost in thought right now. I think that's what that's <laughs> oh, Ben froze. Grown man, look at the screen. Ben, 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 we, 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 we lost you for for probably the last 20 seconds. Oh, what a shame. But you know what? I think that's, a, that's the Voyager conspiracy out there. <laughs> about how good this show is. And I start just bringing it, baby. I bring it, I bring it, I bring it. And the next thing you know, internet fail. The man's trying to mm. shut you down. <laughs> that's hysterical. Right. As, as, as we bring this episode to a close, I do want to say this. Um, I stopped watching Voyager totally until I started listening to the Delta Quadrant. And even when I didn't, even when there are episodes that I disliked of Voyager, 
I almost looked forward to those. Like I rewatched the I, I, I rewatched the worst of Voyager with glee, knowing that you guys were gonna have stuff to say about it in your next episode. And I would say if you're a Star Trek fan and you're a Voyager lover, then watch Voyager and then listen to what the Delta Quadrant has to say. And if you're a Star Trek fan but you hate Voyager, watch Voyager and then listen to the Delta Quadrant <laughs> to hear what they're going to say cause, because if you really like it, they're going to cut you down a couple notches and if you really hate it, they're going to make you appreciate things that you didn't. It's just like this, this conversation we had here. They're going to give you perspective, but it's gonna, you're going to find yourself looking forward even to the bad episodes because you know that there's going to be fun stuff coming. So, so that is the greatest endorsement I can give to the Delta Quadrant is that it enhanced. You know, when I said you have, the reason I don't watch is I have other things to choose from and there's nothing new. With the Delta Quadrant going episode by episode by episode through the show, it makes my experience of those shows new again. So I would say to anybody who likes our show and you're thinking of doing a rewatch of, of Star Trek, give Voyager a shot with the Delta Quadrant too because it's going to it's gonna change your experience of it. Thank wow, you so thank much you for the kudos there. I mean, it's, that's a great compliment, and I, I want to jump on board with you there. It's there's so many times listening to our own podcast, being on it, even you know, I'll watch an episode and have a preconceived notion of this is how I feel about this episode, and very many times I'll get on the show and we'll talk about it. Heck, just the episode you guys were on, I was all about five stars, and you're like, well, this is shit. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, it absolutely is. It's fully written, but it had me in, so it, it completely changes my mind about the way the thing is. These these podcast hosts that I'm on with, I am glad to get together with every week, just because of the different uh, the different insights that they're going to bring to the show that I may not look at at all. We do get uh, passionate. I think that's the great thing about Trek in general. I think that we having these conversations like I don't think I can have the same kind of in-depth conversations and have my mind changed or, or see something differently uh, or even have something to fucking talk about uh, as much with other shows as, as with Trek Yes, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think we're in kind of a generation right now. There was the Gamma Quadrant kind of went off the air and you've got us, the Delta Quadrant, and we're in all kind of a generation of Star Trek conversations. I think as another generation comes about They'll be talking about the same things. I, I am almost certain there is another Star Trek Voyager podcast out there that may be starting or hasn't started yet, and they're going to go over the same exact episodes that we've gone over and touch things that we never even consider talking about. And and that's the beauty of Star Trek. It's probably something yeah. there even all these years later, and it's why I hope, and I think it eventually will, come back to TV. But we'll see what happens with that in the future. But speaking about things that, you, that, that people can listen to, uh, where can people find your show? Where, where can people do that? Gina, do we run down where people can contact us again? Do it. Run down. Down. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. If you want to get a hold of us, um, there are a number of different ways. We have an email set up at deltaquadrantpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. We're part of the Trekmate Network a series of podcasts having to do with Star Trek based out of the UK, but it has... Uh, participants from all over the world. They have uh, us listed as like one of the friends, so go there. They're, they're good too. And the, you can comment on their forums, become a member, hang out, talk with other people who love Star Trek. That's at forum.trekmatefamily.com. Boom! 
you can follow uh, the show personally on Twitter. Uh, the show's Twitter handle is at Delta Quadrant Cast, and it's Q U A D T underscore Cast. Boom. I'm personally at M Hansen O two O seven H A N S E N. Gino, you're at. Uh... I'm at Wreck the Gino. How cool is that? Oh my God, that's awesome. R A K T A G E N O. So Gino's very clever. Very very clever. And uh, uh, you can also like us Ben's on Facebook. Not on the internet. He's a recluse. Yeah, he lives in a bar. Of... <laughs> he lives in the woods. It's a podcast and a Bowie knife. Yeah. <laughs> the big fucking knife that he will threaten you with. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Delta Quadrant. We're on, iTunes, we're on iTunes and where else people can, can people listen to us, Gino? You can listen to us at trekradio.net from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. I think There's we're also... there too. Uh, yeah, I think you guys are there, too. Uh, we can also be found on Stitcher Radio. Uh, sadly, folks, uh, we're not on the Zoom network. And uh, uh, That's because three people have a Zoom. I was going to be like, does, is anybody on that? <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're the only one who has a Zoom, Gino. I think you're it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, again, thanks for having us on. And that, so much that, thank that, you. That, that's some of the best. Compliments I think we've ever received about the show. I'm I'm truly honored. So well, you deserve you. it. It's it's true. Um, all of our guests uh, that we have on uh, get to end get to steal Alexia's thunder by being the ones who say it. So uh, all of our, tre- our guests at the end of the show get to say Trek off bitches. So the count of three, I'm gonna give it to you guys. Uh, Trek off. One, two, three. Trek, Trek off, off bitches. So you just finished the episode and you're like, hey, that was fun. I'd like more Trek off to put in my ear hole, to put into my brain part. Well, that's really easy. All you got to do is go to trekoffpodcast.com. There's over 100 hours of Trek off. It's free. Just go there, trekoffpodcast.com or search iTunes or whatever pod feed you use or trekoffpodcast.com. That's really easy. You can also like us on Facebook where you'll hear information about everything that we do. Like us there, especially hearing about trekoffmovie.com. That's our movie. We're making a movie based on this. The trailer's there. Links are there. Trekoffmovie.com, trekoffpodcast.com. Thank you for listening and trek off.